Welcome to the Authentic Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea John. We are all on a journey, and our journeys consist of stories. There are real people like you and me that have incredible stories that infuse everyone with hope, and they deserve to be shared. Telling her story is today's tour guide, Priscilla Griffin, missionary and co-founder of ECWF International Inc. Priscilla will guide us through her journey that consists of painful miscarriages and debilitating back pain, but she'll weave us around and talk about her miracle babies and how God healed her supernaturally while she watched a TV show. Come and infuse your soul with hope with today's tour guide, Priscilla Griffin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of My Story. Today, we have an amazing friend of mine that I'd love to introduce you to. Her name is Priscilla Griffin. Uh, She currently lives in Texas, but we actually met in North Carolina, which is where I lived before I came to Florida. Um, Priscilla actually came to my rescue when I needed a place to live. Uh, And we actually lived together, uh, me, uh, my girls, and and her daughter at the time. Her husband was deployed. Um, So she is a blessing. She just serves. She has a beautiful heart. So Priscilla, would you be able to introduce yourself to everyone? Let them know as little or as much as you want. Yeah, sure. Um, First of all, thank you for having me. Um, so excited to get to talk to you. And I know we totally were like 30 minutes into a conversation before we even started recording. So it's so good to catch up. Um, but yeah, so again, my name is Priscilla Griffin. I'm in Texas right now. My husband's active duty. So, you know, we move around. Um, hopefully this is our last spot before retirement, but, um, you know, we've been, uh, gosh, we have, how many kids do we have? One, two, three, four, four kids, um, ranging from their twenties their teens all the way down to a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So, um, that in itself is a testimony I could share in a little bit, but, um, yeah, we just, uh, we're just enjoying life and, and just getting to the point where our walk with God is just in a whole different direction. And it's starting to be really exciting because we're just seeing a lot happening with our obedience and just opening our hearts to him. So, you, you know, we're really excited because retirement's coming and now we're getting ready to transition what I would think be our full-time ministry. So we're really excited about that. Actually, why don't you share with everyone a little bit about the nonprofit you have and kind of what you do in the missions arena? Yeah, so um, I did missions for quite a couple of years, Um, started off going with other organizations, a little bit of medical missions, some children evangelism, pastoral training, all that good stuff. Um, My very first mission trip was to Malawi, Africa. And I uh, definitely took my heart. I've been to many other countries, but Malawi was just the place that God really called me to. Um, even during our first, my first visit there, I had an interpreter that I just got along with very well and uh, a strong, strong man of God. And so we kept a relationship, a friendship for quite a while. And I think we're, gosh, almost 10 years out now. And uh, a couple of years back, he had mentioned to me about wanting to start a children and widows home. And I totally supported him with that and told him, let's fast and pray about this. Let's see where God leads it. And he totally opened the door for us. So we started off as an unofficial nonprofit and it was ECWF. And we just started with that. And, you know, it was basically just me and him doing what we can do. Um, I would financially send him, you know, support. He would, you know, he bought us land. He bought, um, gosh, we, we just have so much now, but we're an official nonprofit now. 
And uh, we've expanded to things like three plots of land, some farming land. We have a building that's finished. We actually had a, a vehicle that was just donated this week by a church in Pennsylvania. And so we're we're small, but we're growing. And it's just been amazing. And we really honestly kind of started off as orphan and widow's home. But the need there in Malawi is so large that we're kind of more of a community outreach now. We've actually started a preschool in the building that we have. That, that wow. building was supposed to be for... Um, for us to eventually use it for something else, but we're not there yet. And so we're like, we have an empty building, let's use it. So we actually started a school. We say, I said preschool, but it actually has grown to a lot more um, as the villagers found out about it. And, you know, they're so impoverished. They don't have the opportunity to go to regular school because that costs money. And so we don't charge them. And we also feed the kids while we have them. So not only are they learning traditional education, they're actually learning the word of God as well. So that's really exciting. And the kids love it. Um, we just finished our first cycle of kids and they actually just restarted again for the next cycle. So um, I haven't even had a chance to post those videos are so cute. The kids love it. The parents are just, it's opening their eyes to a different world that they're not used to. Um, they didn't think that was available to their kids. And so not just, again, not just the traditional educational uh, part of it, but also just being able to hear the word of God for the first time. So that's been a ministry in itself, but yeah, we're just, we keep our, our hands and our eyes open and our hearts to whatever God wants us to do. And that's basically what we do with the organization. So nothing's done without prayer. Nothing's done without his guidance. And, and that's how we push forward. Awesome. Sounds a lot like what my parents do in Mozambique, which you've, yes. you've been there with them too. Everyone there loved you. <laughs> how can they, if someone wants to learn more about ECWF, right? How can they get more information? Like if they want to support it or look into it. Yeah. So like I said, we're really small. We're nothing huge. There's just a small board. And so we only have a Facebook page and that's, you know, ECWF International. You can look that up. And um, we do have a, a couple of like monthly setups if you want to give financially. Sometimes we have special projects. For instance, we just finished one and we're actually we're not finished with it. But we had a little boy named Charles that was completely I mean, he was crawling. I think he was three or four years old, maybe a little older crawling. We found him while Emmanuel was doing some evangelism. And so we were able to post that specific need on our page. And some people, instead of being monthly donors, sometimes they just want to give to a specific mm -hmm. cause. And so we'll put that out there and we got him a wheelchair. We've got his parents' groceries. We've got them some clothes and uh, we're not just leaving it there. We're trying to figure out how we can get him to school as well and give him an education. And we've actually even taken him to the hospital to try to get diagnosed to see if there's anything that can be done, even some physical therapy to get him off of his stomach and crawling the wheelchair is going to help a lot. Um, but these people have zero financial yeah. support. They have no way. So when we saw him, it was like, this was a throwaway kid. I know that sounds horrible, but it's like, he's, there's no use for him. And a lot of times these kids get abandoned and his parents have not abandoned him. So that's a blessing. Uh, but now we're trying to figure out how we can make him be something else. Like we can tell, he could be anything he wants to be. Right. And that's awesome. Giving hope to the hopeless only in Jesus. That's right. Only in Jesus. So there is a story that you have that I, I would love for you to share, but actually Priscilla has lots of stories <laughs> and um, one of them that just came to mind actually. So I'm like, okay, I think we should talk about it is when you got pregnant after, I mean, JJ was how old when you got pregnant? I'm horrible with numbers. Let's see. Uh, she was a maybe teenager. Yeah, she was. She was older and, um, you know, you, you got pregnant and there were concerns. 
Um, and I'll never forget you asking for prayer and me and Mike prayed and we prayed with our people and we just felt so strongly like this baby is going to come. And I can't remember if it was me or Mike that was like, it's going to be a boy, one of us or both of us. I think both of us. Yeah, we felt it was going to be a boy. And um, I just met him this summer, mm-hmm. but it was like, to me, like every time I would look at him, I would remember because it was so special because I know how much you wanted a baby mm-hmm. and how God came through. So do you have like anything you yes. want to share about oh, that? That in itself, like I said, that's a testimony. Um, we, so my husband and I were married in 08 and immediately after, I think within 2009, I was pregnant. And so that was our first baby. Granted, he had a, a daughter previously. I had a daughter previously. We're previously married. Um, but this was our first baby. And so we were super excited. Um, but actually rewind on that story because God, I knew I was pregnant. I was not saved at the time. I'll be honest with you. I didn't have a relationship with Christ, um, but I knew who he was. And my husband was actually not a, um, he, he had backslid. He had totally just wanted nothing to do with God, but he was raised in the church. So, um, I got pregnant and I knew I was pregnant immediately. Don't ask me how I knew that. I just knew that. And so I go to the doctor and I'm like, Hey, you know, pregnancy test negative. Okay. And something just kept nagging me. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I feel like there's something there. So I went back again, still negative. After the third visit, he was just like, you know what, let's do an ultrasound. I have some space between appointments. Let's get you in there. I think it was more to just shut me up and get me out of his office. (laughs) And so um, he gets me in there and the tech is doing everything he can. He's looking, he's like, ma'am, there's nothing here. And, and I'm young, I'm still pretty young at this point. So I'm like, is it anywhere else? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I don't know. I've seen TV. I watch movies. Like I heard they could be somewhere else. And so he starts looking and then he just jets out of the room and I had no idea what happened. Next thing I know, I'm literally being ambulanced or did my husband drive me? I don't even remember. A lot of it's a blur, but I'm in the emergency room having emergency surgery because I was internally bleeding from an atopic pregnancy. Yeah. So the baby was there and I knew it. And, um, and so, you know, gay, excited, I'm pregnant. And then to find out I had to lose it. And that was, that was soul crushing because I did want another baby and I, and it was such a deep desire and it took so long. I mean, I didn't want to process it. I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of person that wants to just forget stuff. Don't come to me. Don't approach me. Just leave me alone. <laughs> and so that was really hard. And when I tell you it was a struggle, like I would go to the store and if I heard a baby on the other side of the store, if I was anywhere, anywhere, if I heard a baby crying, like I couldn't control myself and I would just start running to the car and I would just cry and cry and cry. And, but I didn't want anyone to talk to me. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to go to counseling. Just leave me alone. And, um, it finally, one day I finally broke and I called my doctor after like a couple of months and he was like, this is what I was waiting for. Come to my office. He gave me antidepressants. I was ready to process it, but the antidepressants didn't work. And so it was just like, it was still there. It was still a horrible feeling. And fast forward, we went on vacation to go visit um, my husband's family in North Carolina. At the time we were here in Texas. Um, so we went to North Carolina to go visit his family for Easter And, you know, Easter, you go to church. And so we went to that church and went through the whole thing. And I've heard the message. I mean, I may not have been practicing Christian, but Easter and Christmas, I was definitely there. And um, the altar call came and it went. But something was working in me. It was so funny. I'll never forget that because it was like I had that feeling like I know I need to go. And it was just like I just felt it. I know it to this day. I can still feel it. I still remember how it was so just a sweet memory. But I just 
floated to the front. <laughs> I say I floated. I don't know how I got to the front, um, but it was after the altar call. So that was awkward enough. But yeah, I went up there in tears. I couldn't even control myself and gave my life to Christ. And I kid you not, immediately the pain was gone. Like I, I could handle babies. I even worked in the nursery because I accepted Christ. And then we started going to church. And I worked in the nursery at the church. Like I, it took it away. And I could not believe it. I mean, it was just, I went from being distraught to no solution to all of a sudden, like I, it just took, God took that away. And so that happened. And fast forward, we had two more miscarriages throughout the years and um, didn't know. I mean, it was easier to process, but it was still a hard process. I mean, no one wants to lose a child. Right. And so, um, Fast forward a little bit more, a couple more years, and God had really been nagging me about leaving my job. And I didn't understand why. We had always been a two-income family, and I didn't think that that was the right decision. And, you know, like I knew better because, you know, my plans are better than God's plans in my head. (laughs) And, um, yeah, we just, you know, he kept nagging me. And I would have sleepless nights, and I would wrestle with him, and I would justify it like, God, but if I quit my job, I'm not going to be able to give you the money that I give you because I tithe. My tithe is going to be split in half if you make me quit my job. Like I would try to find every reason why I shouldn't have to quit my job, but I was also extremely unhappy. And so, you know, it took an act of obedience and a lot. I mean, it just, I finally did it because I got tired of that feeling of not being content and something was empty and there was a hole there and I couldn't figure it out. And I finally did it. And I think within a month I ended up pregnant again. And we didn't want to get excited, but at the same time, it was like, this felt different. Something about this just felt different. And that's why I came to you. Like, please pray about this. Let's pray. I reached out to a few really devout friends that I just knew would pray for me. And sure enough, we had Xavier and it was a boy. And it's just like, and not to, not to discredit having a girl, because we had two girls, but it was like something special in that moment, mm-hmm. you know? And so we had Xavier and it was just like an act of obedience on my part. And it was a huge leap of faith. I mean, we went from a two income family to a one, never once saw a shift in our finances, how I can't explain to you. And so, I mean, it's just the whole process was a blessing, but it was just that obedience and that faith and knowing that he's going to take care of it. Like, don't worry. It's in, in, and he was telling me that, but I didn't, you know, having to step out of my own will and getting into his will was the hardest part. And um, I feel like that was our reward. We were given what we always wanted. And then it's so funny because I felt like there was still one more coming. (laughs) And so I was just like, my husband was like, now I'm in my 40s and I'm in my 30s. And we're like, no, no, no. And I was like, no, I think there's still one more. Sure enough, Jackson came about two years later. Yeah. You didn't get one, you got two. I got two and they're such a blessing. And I wouldn't, I can't imagine our lives without them. Seriously. I mean, there was always just that feeling like something was missing and now it's there. And yeah. it's, but, and then I, I think about it and I'm like, so had you listened to him a couple years back? Maybe we could have done this when we were younger, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm stubborn and sometimes things take a while to get through my head. And I'm so glad that God's patient with me. He really is. Um, I struggle with that and I've gotten better at listening to him more easily and more uh, quickly. Um, because I've just, I'm a stubborn kind of person, but that's just how, how he, he didn't, I won't say he made me that way. That's how I am. Right. Um, definitely working <laughs> on changing think, that. I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with, you know, when God's calling us to do something and it's a little bit out of our comfort zone, it's scary to take that step, but there's a difference between, and I've learned to tell the difference over the years, I think from like trial and error Um, If someone claims they do it right all the time, like, no, you don't, (laughs) right? Or you think you're doing it right, but it's not really. 
Um, but through trial and error, I feel like I've been able to identify the difference between like anxiety mm-hmm. and comfort, like discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me, peace is almost like a measure of, is this God or is this not God? You know, is this God and there's fear or is this the enemy working and I should step away? Um, and there's a feeling that comes with that. It's hard to put into words. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that deep down inside, we know if it's God or not. Yes. And it's about listening to that still small voice, knowing it's God and then trusting. And like your story, um, my story, and I'm sure many people who are watching this, it we've experienced where we finally surrendered to the call um, and God comes through in crazy, amazing ways. And we're left with exactly what you said. Why didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> I would have been spared lots of heartache. I would be so much further, but it's part of the journey. And the reality is I think some of the mistakes that we make almost help us be who we are. Those are character builders. Um, it builds our character and ultimately it's kind of weird to say because God has the ability to turn all things to good. It's not that he caused it and it's not that that thing becomes good, but he can transform it into something that's to our benefit and to the benefit of others. So it's kind of like that pressure and it perfects us. And then we're able to look more like Christ when we allow it to work in us. So um, I've met the kids, the boys, whole family was here. They're the sweetest things ever because I don't have boys. Um, Mike has a son, but he's older and an adult. So <laughs> and, and his neighbor took a liking to Mike. <laughs> yeah. Um, so most kids do. It's kind of funny. Um, maybe because he's like a child at heart. I don't know. <laughs> Men. Um, but, uh, recently, uh, let's check the time here. Okay. So recently, um, you had a miracle happen in your life. You know, you've had many miracles happen in your life, but there's just like one that's super duper cool that happened almost like in a very ordinary moment, um, that involves the series, the chosen, which you and I are fans of. So I don't want to tell the story because it's your story to tell. So would you share with us what God did in your life watching The Chosen? So a little backstory. I actually have suffered from back pain for many, many years. I was in the military myself. Um, That's actually where me and my husband met. We were in the same training and um, did a short stint in the military, not very long, Uh, got out and yeah, I had a little discomfort on my back. Not a big deal. As I got older, I think early 20s, I'm like, is this what getting older feels like? This kind of hurts. I never really thought anything of it. I had a really good friend of mine was like, you know, go get that checked. And I finally did through the VA and uh, come to find out it was actually very minor, nothing huge. It was just, you know, like a bulging disc or a ruptured disc or something like that. And, um, you know, went through the traditional cortisone shots and steroid shots and physical therapy and painkillers and all that good stuff. Well, fast forward 15 years, I was two back surgeries in 
multiple procedures, uh, acupuncture, uh, therapy, nine <laughs> spinal epidurals. I mean, you just name it. I had did everything. I had exhausted everything. And so I was at the point a couple months ago, I think it was March. What month are we Yeah, About March. It finally got to a point where it's like, I can no longer take this. I can't bend over. I can't pick up my kids. I can't, you know, at this point, Jackson's a little baby and I can't even carry my baby or put him down to bed or anything. And so it got to a point where it was like, what do I do? So I go to the surgeon yet again, and they're like, you need a full spinal fusion. And the first surgeon I went to was like, you know, two surgeries, one from the front, one from the back. We're going to put in a rod. We're going to, you know, nail that sucker in and you're going to be good to go. The problem was that the amount of vertebrae that had to be fused together was more than they're used to doing. Not Well, not, I won't say that they're used to doing, but they're comfortable doing. Because two vertebrae, sure, you can do that and totally still bend. Once you get to three and more, you lose a lot of function. You lose a lot of uh, flexibility and you lose a lot of range of motion. And that's where I was at. And so it was just like, you know, yes, it's going to help you, but just understand you're going to lose quite a bit as well. There'll be and limitations. Really, yeah, I really struggled with that because I'm like, but that's not really a solution. <laughs> but I was also in so much pain. So I'm like, what do I do? And it was heartbreaking because recovery for that is over a year. And, you know, intense recovery, the very beginning, like don't lift anything, don't twist, don't do anything for six months. And I'm like, I have a newborn. How is this going to happen? So I struggled with that a lot. And um, the desire to get healed really started coming about a year ago, year and a half now. And I really started digging into scripture and really just asking God, like, I, what's, what's, what gives, you know, 15 years, I get it. And I had even convinced myself that, you know, this pain is here to remind me to lean on him. And that's, that's what I had told myself, but I was also, you know, uh, the church that I had went to absolutely grew in it, love it, have nothing bad to say about it, but we never spoke about healing. We never spoke about tongues. We never spoke about quite a few topics that are in the Bible. And so that kind of, like I said, a year and a half ago, that journey started and I really started digging on my own and looking and I was like, healing is available. Healing's there. There's <laughs> multiple stories and so then that desire just kind of grew little by little. And so every time I would just kind of chip away at it a little bit. So we're watching this show. We were fans of it. It was season two now. It was episode one. And um, my son had asked me to sit on the floor with him. I don't sit on the floor because I can't get up. But he was you know, being a little rebellious. And I'm like, okay, okay, because I wanted him to be quiet so we could sit down and watch the show. So I sit on the floor with him and he's we're, we're just watching it and everything. And I think a little bit past the middle of the episode, uh, there's a, a, a poor farmer that um, he steals or something. He does something bad. But anyways, Jesus and his whole, all his disciples come to his house and they're like, Hey, we're having dinner at your house. And so um, they come over and, you know, the, the guy kind of gives his backstory. He like said, so he stole or he did something bad. And uh, but he, in the process, he hurt his leg or his arm or his foot. I can't remember. He hurt something. I think it was his leg. Okay. I think, okay. And, um, you know, he felt that pain. And, uh, so Jesus is talking to him and kind of, you know, getting him to talk and, and, you know, kind of revealing some stuff and, and the whole backstory on this episode, if I'm not mistaken, is, is the 99. So he leaves the 99 for the one. Yes. Um, so that's kind of tying into talking to this gentleman. And, um, so anyways, there's a moment where it just gets so intense because the guy just wants to be healed. And I just, I don't know why I'm laying there. I'm sitting there watching TV. And all the emotions of just that, 
I want, just want to be healed. Like, I don't know how, what else to say, God, I just want to be healed. And so I'm feeling his emotion on the screen and I'm just like crying. And I didn't want anybody to know. So I'm like trying to be quiet. So I don't get made fun of because my husband's sitting behind me. And um, I just felt it. Like I could feel his pain. I know it's acting. I know I'm not giving credit to the show, but I felt what he felt because I knew what that was like. And he's having a conversation with Jesus. So I'm like, please, if Jesus was standing in front of me, this is exactly how I would feel. Right. And so I, um, I don't know. I just, in that moment, Jesus heals him, but I don't think he knows that yet. He didn't know it till the next morning. I think that Jesus had healed him, but something happened during that whole scene. And I felt it. I felt something. I can't, I don't, it wasn't something entered my body or it it was just something was different and I felt it. And so, you know, when I felt that I kind of started rocking left and right and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And the pain wasn't there. So I'm like, weird, still didn't think nothing of it. Left, waited for the whole episode to finish. We all got ready for bed, uh, put the kids in the shower, all that good stuff. And my husband, you know, he's taking the boys and I'm like, I'll be right there. And so I'm naturally doing the whole get on my hands and knees to roll over so I can get up because that's how, I, you know, it's hard to get up. And I didn't have to, it wasn't a struggle. So I was kind of like, okay, so I'm starting to freak out little by little at this point. And then there's toys scattered all over the floor. So I'm like, let me clean up. I don't clean up toys off the ground. I don't pick up anything off the ground because I couldn't, but I bent over and it was no pain. So then I was like, okay, I'm really freaking out now. And so I freak out about it. And I am just like, well, I think I just got healed. I think I just got healed. And I'm just like, I don't even know what to think. And so I remember running into my daughter's room and I was just like, I think God just healed me and I'm freaking out. And I just shut the door and she's just looking at me like I'm weird. And so then my husband's screaming at me like, Hey, you know, like he's in the shower with the boys and, and I'm like, I'll be right there. And I'm, I'm happy to clean. I'm, I'm picking every toy up and I have no struggle. Cause I, at this point I'm like, Oh, it's just, something's going to give in a little bit. Like it'll, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I get to the boys' rooms to put stuff away and I just ball. I just get on the ground and I'm just praying and I'm praising him and I'm thanking him. I'm like, I think he just healed me. Thank you so much. And I'm so excited. And then I come to the room and I told my husband what happened and I'm still in tears, but I didn't want to address it either. I'm like, I'm freaking out. Just leave me alone. <laughs> and um, so, thing. <laughs> so that happened. And I was just like, oh my gosh. So then I was like, you know, 15 years of pain. I'm like, something's got to give. It's a twinge. It'll go back. It'll, it's going to come back, but it's okay. You know, even if God just gives me five minutes of relief, like I'm going to praise him for that. And that's going to be awesome. And, um, I reached out to two or three friends. I think you were one of them. Yeah. And I was just like, I think this is just what happened. And, and I'm excited. And so that happened. And two, three weeks down the road, I really let the enemy talk to me. And really let him get to me because I started questioning it. Mind you, in the process of all of this, I had an appointment with my back surgeon because it was still on the books and we were putting a surgery date down. So I really struggled with that one because I'm like, but God healed me. And if I take this appointment, am I not trusting him? Right. And so I really struggled with that, but I still went to the appointment. I still made the appointment or for the surgery, for the upcoming surgery. Like we went still went through, and I even went to the doctor, like, listen, this is going to sound crazy, but (laughs) I think I got healed and blah, 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 blah. So he gives me his medical terms and he's just like, you know, the inflammation probably just went down and you know, it's going to come back. Don't worry. Let's go ahead and put a surgery date down. If you absolutely have to cancel it, that's fine. And so I let him convince me that too. And I really, you know, that's one thing that I spoke with somebody else. I let I let that be spoken and I should not have let that be spoken. You know, I really allowed everything that should not have been done. I did. And again, God's very patient with me. <laughs> and so a learning it, process. 
it is, it's a learning process. And so uh, one of my other friends that I had reached out to out of the three, um, she's very busy and she sent me a, a couple of voice messages through Facebook because she's like, again, busy. So she don't have time to type. So <laughs> she sends me a couple of voice messages and she's like, hey, I just want you to know I did not forget about you and I've been praying hard and I'm so excited for what's happening. Please know that the, the devil is going to try to get to you. And he's going to tell you you're not healed and he's going to do this, that, and that. And everything she was saying literally is what was happening. And so I'm bawling up in tears and I'm just like, how does she know this is happening? Because she has a daughter who's had been healed. So she's, you know, coaching me through this. That's awesome. And so I was just like, oh my goodness. I get on my knees immediately and I'm like, God, please, if you have any mercy left, (laughs) forgive me. I'm sorry for questioning it. I will not question it again. If you could please just remove this pain, I will never question you again. And I will glorify you and I will tell the whole world about it. And immediately the pain was gone. And that was about two months, two and a half months ago. I've had interviews. I've had people reach out to me. I have been sharing it. Just yesterday, I met um, some neighbors in my neighborhood and I got to share it with them. And they were just like, oh, well, can you pray over my husband? Because he, I was like, we're going to pray right now. Let's do this right now. I was like, because there's no point in waiting. And so, you know, I literally have become the spokesperson for healing in my eyes <laughs> because I'm happy. I'm excited. It's available. It's there. It's not just for the chosen people. It's not for just a select few. It's for everybody. It's available. You have to believe it. You have to, it is not just physical pain. It could be emotional pain. It could be addiction. It could be anything, anything that is not of God take it out of you, you know, speak it out of, you know, in Jesus name, take it out of you. And that's just, it works. It literally works. And not only I've learned that because I had foot pain after the back pain, I had a little bit of foot pain. I had fractured it a, a couple years back and automatically I'm like, okay, call the doctor get an appointment. Let's get this x-ray figure out what's going on. Did I refracture it? Whatever. And then in waiting for that appointment, because some just right now with COVID it's like two, three months wait. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, I stopped myself at some point and I was like, Priscilla, why didn't you pray about it? And I did. I prayed about it and went away and I called and I canceled the appointment and it's not hurt since. Uh-huh. And I'm, we're pre-programmed to think there's no solution or I have to run to the medication or I need to ha- go to my therapist if it's something emotional or physical, but you have the power to do it yourself yeah. and surround yourself with people who have the power to help you pray through it as well. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what happened there. And I, I'm telling you, I went from not being able to bend over and not be able to do a lot of stuff. Couldn't sleep throughout the night, every painkiller you could think of every muscle relaxer, all the procedures, it's all gone. I I don't use any of it. Everything's in the trash. Everything's been, and I actually started working out. I'm about two and a half months into a workout with extremely heavy weight. Like we do strength training. I'm not doing little tiny things strength training. I'm lifting things off the ground that before I couldn't lift a piece of paper off the ground. And so, I mean, it's just a night and day difference. And I, in the desperation that I felt being in my mid twenties, when it was early and now I'm in my mid thirties of this can't be the rest of my life. This yeah. is horrible. I used to, I used to train with you. We used to do long extended runs. That's how I mean, we met. Yeah. We, I mean, and then we used to work out together. I mean, we used to do so much stuff. I used to love, you know, mountain climbing, not mountain climbing, um, uh, hiking and, you know, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. And all of that was gone. And it was just, this can't be the rest of my life. This sucks. This is horrible. And that ugly feeling of this really, this is not what I want. And I carried that for so long. And again, 
why did I do this sooner? But, you know, again, we talked about that. It's, it made me who I am and it's, and it's become such a powerful testimony to others. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. I did it to myself, but I'm okay with that because it's become the testimony it is. But had I just gone to him sooner, like there, <laughs> I wouldn't have lost 15 years of what I couldn't have done, even run around with my kids and play with them. Jocelyn was still very young. Yeah. There was a lot I didn't get to do with her. And then Xavier, you know, he's still little, but there was a lot I didn't do with him that Jocelyn would step in and play on the playground with him for me. And, you know, things like that. Um, but it's all said and done. It's in the past and I get to do all that now. And so that's, I think what's beautiful is, you know, that feeling of, is this what it, if is this how I have to live for the rest of my life? When we look at what Jesus taught and what he said we would have. It's that what you were feeling was not what Jesus came to give, right? There was like a conflict. Um, and what Jesus came to give is abundant life. You know, abundance is not finances. It's a full, complete life. Joy that surpasses understanding makes no sense to the human mind, even if the circumstances say, what are you happy about? Peace and love. Those are all things that Jesus gave us. Like he's not going to give. He already like opened the door to it. So then the question becomes, how do I get there? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And what you were experiencing, like I've experienced those moments of hopelessness, but in different ways. Uh, What I love about your story is that you weren't in a church service. No one was laying hands on you. It wasn't crazy Pentecostal, like speaking in tongues. It was just you, your heart, and Jesus. And And he showed up. I do need to speak on that because I have had laying of hands. I've had anointing oil in many countries. (laughs) I've had people pray for me like you wouldn't believe. But I think the biggest thing was I didn't believe it. I didn't think it was available to me. And it took me getting to that point where I searched scripture and I figured it out. Because, yes, somebody else's desire was there for me. But I, for some reason, didn't have that. And so that I really, you know, we would do those sort of... I kid you not, there was a evangelist that we went to church one time. He was a guest speaker and it was so powerful. I mean, it moved me and I donated a thousand dollars to his ministry because I just knew he was going to heal me. I kid you not. I'm embarrassed to say that. <laughs> no one's really known that. And I, I love the guy. He did nothing wrong. Right. I was focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. I was like, if I put my hand up, like he says, if you want healing, put your hand up and we're going to pray for it. And I was like, hand up. Here's a thousand dollars. I know I'm, that should put me in the front of the line, right? That should put me in front of everybody else. And God's going to be like, oh, that one, pick that one. We're going to heal her. Like, right. I can't not, my motives were so wrong and they were in the wrong. I was not trusting. I was not looking for Jesus himself and what he did for me. I was looking everywhere else or I just wasn't believing it was possible for me. So, and I think that's common though. Um, I don't, not the giving a, a donation necessarily, although that happens a lot, to be honest, but the... I need their faith so it can happen to me or it needs to be them Mm -hmm. because, and it's not that we intentionally think I don't have it in me. We don't think it through, but the truth is that we don't because it's not us. It's God. And in that moment, when you were watching an episode where you saw someone 
who struggled and desperately wanted healing, just like you did, and you related, your heart was speaking to God, even if there were no words coming out of your mouth. And because you have a relationship with Jesus, because you're seeking him, because you were pursuing truth in that moment, God was like, I'm going to show her just how real I am. (laughs) And you witnessed how God loves you and you didn't need someone else's anointing or Holy Spirit or whatever. God loved you to do it. And I think, you know, your experience, my experience, our delay in giving ourselves to God, surrendering to God, it's a common story. But this is why I want to do shows like this and share what we share. Because sometimes it's if someone had just told me, explained it to me, not, not, not you have to do this, but let me, let me share with you what he's done. Mm-hmm. And just been a testimony. I didn't have a lot of that. I had a lot of rules and regulations, do's and don'ts. But the miraculous, like you were saying, it was just not talked a lot about. I think I heard a lot more about demons and deliverance and stuff like that than the workings of God, like in terms of miracles and working on behalf of people. Um, so it changed my life. And that's why I'm so glad that you're sharing it with other people. Um, it's one of the reasons why we're doing this right now, just to be able to reach people and instill people with faith. So if you're watching, you know, Priscilla shared um, a few examples of how God moved in her life. Um, you know, she went through dark times. I've gone through dark times. I'm sure you've gone through dark times. Maybe you're going through a dark time right now. Maybe you're looking for healing. Maybe you're trying to have a child. Maybe you're going through the worst time in your life or you're experiencing depression. God is with you even now. He's not afraid of you. He's not pushing you away. As a matter of fact, he's drawing you closer and he wants you to know him, not who he is through someone else, but who he is to you. Um, And that is love. He wants to love you. He wants to hold you. He wants to heal you. He wants you to have abundance. Uh, So Priscilla, would you be able to just pray for everyone who's watching and release healing or whatever it is that God leads you to pray? Absolutely. Um, Father, we just come to you this morning and just glorify you for just giving us another day, first and foremost, just loving on us and caring for us throughout the night and keeping us safe. Lord, we just, I pray for those that are listening, those that are going to listen later on. And Lord, this is a video recording that can be there for as long as you need it to be and it'll reach whoever it needs to reach so lord i pray for that first but i also just want to pray for those that just need a desperate answer from you help them to see who you are and help them to understand who you are and help them to just simplify themselves and just come to you just raw emotions and just come to you and lay their needs on your feet lord and you'll answer i know because your word says you will and we're just going to go ahead and just praise you for that and thank you for that because you are the God that answers prayer when it's what it is, what it what needs to be done according to scripture. We're not asking for riches. We're not asking for finance, uh, financial abundance and, and, you know, career advancements and all that. That stuff is great. But Lord, just the simplicity of healing our hearts 
for what it is that you want us to have. You want us to have an abundant life and happiness in just sharing good health and mental health, regular health. I mean, everything, anything, if anything that we're suffering with, Father, we just come to you and bring that to you and just thank you. Father, for those people who don't necessarily know who you are or the kind of God that you are, Lord, I pray for their walk with you, their faith. Or for those that just are completely at loss with what we're even talking about, Lord, I pray for their salvation, Father. They're here to listen because something brought them to you. And so, Lord, I just pray for their salvation. I pray that they accept you and love you. And they begin to start that dialogue with you and understand that you are a loving father who wants to give to us. And so, Lord, I pray for that as well. I thank you for people like Andy that are just willing to just be raw and, and just share their story so that others can see you through what, what she shares. And so, Lord, I pray for her ministry. I pray for whatever it is that she's going to do now or is doing now and will do in the future that's going to just lift, glorify you and lift you up. And so we praise her or we praise you for what she's doing and we thank you for all that. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Priscilla, for joining us. Um, I just, love I mean I've always you know been alongside seeing what God is doing in your life and it's always awesome to see I mean when you told me about the healing I remember telling Mike and I was I I was like tearing I was so happy for you because even when we lived together you even though we worked out and stuff you still had pain and you still still struggled Mm -hmm. um so it's just amazing like I am a witness along with her husband and many people that can say this healing is legit like this is not fake stuff. This is real. So if you've been blessed by this, if anything you've heard has infused you with hope, we just encourage you to pray and talk to God. Uh, it's just a conversation. He hears your heart. Um, if you don't have words, just kind of like set your mind on him and let him read your heart and look at your heart. Um, and Share it with other people, because if it helped you or it infused you with hope, it may just do the same for someone else that you know that needs a little bit of hope in their lives. So thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you next time.